0: Your state, your team, your show, this is Sports Nightly. Dribbles to the right, gives it off, NBA 3, got it, I got it, under, air with an NBA 3, Four.
1: Thor, Thor 65-61, Nebraska by
0: 4, 4, it's on fire. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are, but just for an hour tonight. We're the uh, we're the appetizer, the entree tonight. Husker basketball, the big red up in Madison, getting set to take on the Wisconsin Badgers. So just sixty minutes of us. And then Kent and Jake will take over. In fact, Jake's going to join us here in a little bit to preview. The matchup between these two teams and a battle of tempo tonight. Huskers will want to go quick. Batters will want to slow it down, make it a half-court game. It'll be an interesting matchup tonight uh, between these two Big Ten schools. We'll have that for you tonight. Um, Ben McLaughlin, who will be a part of the broadcast on Saturday. He's traveling with Kent to Rutgers uh, to see the Huskers And the Scarlet Knights, by the way, Rutgers has announced today that they've sold that game out. The rack will be rocking for the game on Saturday. But first things first, tonight's matchup. And you can't get any more of a contrast in styles, right? I mean, this is going to be who can get their kind of pace going on this one tonight.
1: Yeah, it reminds you a little bit of the the old Rose Bowl with with Oregon <laughs> and Wisconsin, uh, the way that these two teams play. But um, yeah, I mean this is conflicting styles at its best, and both teams going to do their best to control tempo, and and that's what made is what has been making Wisconsin so successful lately, is they've been doing a really good job of that, slowing the game down, and you know. Putting, uh, putting the air out of the ball and, and winding the shot clock down. But we'll see if the Huskers can try and speed them up a little bit tonight.
0: Okay, Nebraska's lost three straight. I mean, it, it, it's getting – it's got to be tough mentally, right? I mean, the, the, they, they lose to the two on the road at, at Ohio State, and they get beat it at, uh, also at Northwestern. And then they come home and, and drop the game to Indiana, and now they're back on the road for two more. This one tonight, and I mentioned the Rutgers game over the weekend – I, I'm I'm a little nervous, Ben, about where this team is mentally. Uh, it's starting to kind of lean on them a little bit. The season's getting away from them. I mean, th- this will be game number 19 tonight. Um, teams to kind of keep motivating themselves need a you know they need a little energy, and, and wins give you energy, and they have that haven't had that in a couple of weeks now. How nervous are you about where the where this group is mentally?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a tough league. It's a a tough challenge night after night. I mean, Northwestern's up 12-3 early on on Maryland, and, you know, it's just the inconsistent results are are hard to deal with, and especially if you've been, you know, losing a handful of those games, you know, it makes it difficult to want to pour your heart and soul out every night. And that's one thing that this team has to do to be competitive is they have to play really hard for 40 minutes. And if they don't, you know, bad things are going to happen. But – um, I think, you know, for the most part, the coaches know what bush, buttons to push and, and how to get these guys playing at the level necessary. But it, it's a tough chore, especially when you're not doing it at home and you have to go on the road as much as this team has had to do in the last few weeks. And, you know, even the rest of the week with, uh, with the Rutgers game, as you said, but. Um, You know, you hope they can just go put together 40 good minutes and and just play well. If you're you're playing well and you're improving, it makes that process a little easier.
0: I I, kind of think that this style that Wisconsin plays, even if Nebraska gets lulled into the sleepy tempo, Wisconsin's not a team that just – I'm like, man, they could just blow the doors off Nebraska. I I feel like Nebraska can create some offense with their style in this game tonight. Let me ask you this, because the last – the last four years of Wisconsin basketball, the name Ethan Happ was – was that was them. That was their identity was Ethan Happ. He's now gone, graduated, exhausted his eligibility. Is Wisconsin tougher to defend now in some ways than they were with just Happ? Because they wanted Happ to touch it every possession. And I, and I would too if I had a really good post player like that. But college basketball has gone so much to the perimeter game that in some ways I, I almost think Wisconsin might be better without Happ. Is that crazy?
1: I mean, yeah, it's hard to say that when the dude was averaging a double-double. Couldn't make free throws. Yeah, hack a hap, yeah, for sure. Uh, But you think back to, you know, what's made those Wisconsin teams so good in the past. You know, they've always had a good point guard to kind of run it. You know, Bronson Koenig was was around for a long time, and then, you know, you had uh, the team with Sam Decker and Frank Kaminsky before that that made a national championship. It was all about just just ball movement and, you know, playing that Bo Ryan style that, that Wisconsin is known for. And Brad Davison does as good a job as anybody, you know, running what this team wants to run. And you know, he's played more and more minutes and has uh, become a bigger part of this team. So when you can get other guys involved, Wisconsin is going to have guys that can shoot and stretch you out on the offensive end of the floor. And and they constantly run offense on their side, so you got to move, you got to communicate, and you have to be able to rotate and make the plays necessary to win games. And um, you know they've had some really good players go through that program, and you know they, they have enough in there right now to win games. The results that they've had, especially on the road, they've been one of, if not the only team, that uh, that can win on the road in this league. It's been it's been a good run for them.
0: Yeah. The name Micah Potter might ring a bell with some Husker fans. He played at Ohio State, transferred to Wisconsin, was eligible at semester. So to me, Potter, who's kind of their five, or a stretch four in a lot of ways, he can shoot the three. He pulls... The, big, the bigs of other teams, and I know Nebraska doesn't really have bigs, but he pulls other teams' bigs away from the basket. Since he became eligible, Ben, I think they're a completely different team. They are 6-2 and two since Potter became eligible, uh, with their losses being a one-pointer to Illinois and then the loss on Friday night at Michigan State. Most people are going to get beat at Michigan State. I think that really flipped their season when Potter became eligible because because before Potter was there, they lost three three in a row in early December. They are late November, early December. They get beat by Richmond, New Mexico, and North Carolina State. (coughs) Excuse me, None of those teams are world beaters, but they all three beat the Badgers. Potter becomes eligible, gives them a huge offensive weapon. I think he's changed the, the dynamics of that team. He has, and and again, it's it's
1: another big challenge for guys like Ivan Waydrago and and Kevin Cross. They have to find a way to be successful, um, you know, guarding him. And he made a right decision to leave. And I think uh, you know the the transfer market has given confidence to guys that maybe haven't had it at points in their careers. And we've seen it do wonders to guys' careers. Micah Potter wouldn't have done anything close to this what he's doing right now. Um, had he stayed there. So I think, you know, the the, the new location, um, you know, being able to kind of change things up and add a different dimension has been hugely beneficial for Wisconsin. And, you know, you mentioned Hap and We mentioned Kaminsky already Their Their offense is at its best when they have a good big guy. And, yeah. and he's certainly that.
0: Yeah, Kaminsky could shoot the three. He could step out and stretch a defense. That's what made him such a weapon and why he's still earning a paycheck in the National Basketball Association with that. I have a hard – to me, I think Wisconsin's going to be an interesting case for the committee. Their record isn't overly sparkly. They're 11-7, and seven, but yet their net is really good. They're around 20 with the net. Um, they Like you mentioned, they've won on the road. I think they're probably a March team. I think they're a tournament team. They still have, obviously, work to be done, but – Again, I you go back to mid-December, and I don't think anybody would have given you a nickel that they're going to be in the tournament, but they, they've they certainly turned it around, and, and there'll be a chore tonight for the Cornhuskers. We're going to talk with Jake Muehlheisen from the Cole Center coming up here in just a little bit. All right, also the, late this afternoon, the Baseball Hall of Fame announced their class for 2020. Not a very big one. Derek Jeter, as expected, gets in. Ben, he fell one vote shy of being unanimous, which would have been... Uh, another new high bar set for Major League Baseball. Loved Derek Jeter, thought he was kind of Mr. Yankee throughout his career, 20-year career there. But unanimous? I'm not sure. I mean, man, I definitely a Hall of Famer, but unanimous would have been, I think, a little bit of a stretch for Derek Jeter.
1: He's just an iconic player. You know, you think about, about that time period in the late 90s and the 2000s, um, you know, all of those great Yankee teams that he was a part of, he was right in the thick of it. You know, the captain, you know, you don't earn that nickname for – for no reason, um, you know, he brought a lot to that city, brought a lot to uh, the franchise of New York and the pinstripes, and uh, very poetic way to finish his career. It was it was really cool to watch that. Josh and I were able to to watch that um, back in the studio, his final game against Baltimore when he had the walk off hit. Uh, just just true Jeter style, but you know, I think um, you know overall, it's just been a uh, a great career and, and and an icon for for a decade and and even beyond that and in, uh, in
0: major league baseball obviously well deserved the one guy who didn't vote for him it's going to get out i mean that, that dude's going to be into the mean. he better shut off his twitter account and email account he's going to get some nasty nasty letters and, and correspondence from yankees fans about not putting him in the ballot for this year. Larry Walker also made it. And I know we have a lot of Rockies fans in our audience, a lot of our western of the state of Nebraska, a lot of folks out there, big Rockies fans. He spent a long time there, had probably his most productive seasons there, had a great run with the Expos. But he was an MVP type guy his time with the Rockies. He finished his career with the Cardinals. A lot of people weren't sure he would make it, and as Josh said in the ticker, Ben, six votes got him over the top. You have to be at 75% of the votes. He got the 76%, so it was razor-thin edge for him to get in, but he got in. Your thoughts about Larry Walker being a Hall of Famer?
1: Yeah, and it's his final ballot. I mean, this was his last chance to get in, and so I think his ability to uh, to just creep over that mark makes a lot of Rockies fans very happy. And he, it's a face of a franchise. You know, mm-hmm. when you think about those Rockies teams, he was a huge part of them. I know he spent some time with the Expos and and even a little bit of time with the Cardinals, which is weird, being a, 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 a you know in the same in the same league there in the National League. But yeah, he's when you think of Rockies, he's he's on the Mount Rushmore for sure, and great player i remember him watching watching him grow up quite a bit you know watching the braves play every time you played the rockies you know he and dante bichette and some of those other guys that were around for a long time in colorado and and it's for him to to do it on his last ballot by such a close margin he has to be very relieved and, and very proud today
0: i think he even tweeted something a few hours ago that he he anticipated coming up short so good for him. I, maybe, maybe he was just kind of trying to, to be uh, prepare himself for the negative news, but um, I'm glad he got in. I thought he was a heck of a player and, again, an MVP-type candidate for a couple of years for his career primarily in, in Denver when he was with the Rockies. So he got in. Curt Schilling did not. He came up short. About 70% of the ballots is what he appeared on. So he was a handful of votes short of making it. And Bonds and Clemens were in that low 60s, 61, 60% chance for those two guys who've been held back because of the steroid era of baseball. Isn't it time to lift that now and put those guys in, Ben? I mean, they were during the decade, particularly in the 90s, they were the stars of Major League Baseball, and so many players were doing it. Baseball knew what was going on. They were looking the other way. I, I I think the lesson's been taught to those two. I think it's time to put those guys in the hall
1: yeah i mean i th- i think for me every year we talk about this and it's it's the same conversation it's it it's all about to me i think the voters are kind of scared at this point they don't want to be the ones to break the mold um i think that percentage you know correct me if i'm wrong but i think it's getting higher and higher i think people aren't quite as hesitant to even have that conversation now as they were but um yeah i'm just not sure that it ever happens and you know there were tons and tons of guys that that were doing that and uh, and you know being a part of the steroid era and you know taking advantage of that that will never go down as getting caught and it, it's it's a tough situation because a good percentage of those guys were were all stars in the in the face of a of a time period in baseball and it, it's almost like you're erasing an entire. Uh, chapter of baseball, if you don't put them in. But I also understand people that are trying to protect the integrity of the game and you know do what they need to do to to keep it pure. But there's no doubt that some of the best to go to go down to ever play uh, are Clemens and Bonds, and it doesn't quite seem uh, right to not have them listed amongst the game's best. Sammy
0: Sosa's in that same boat. Still not in. He got a. He got a lot of votes today, too, but not nearly enough to get him over the top. I just wonder, are we going to treat the Astro players when their time comes the same way? I mean, obviously, there's been there's been cheating going on in, in Houston, and I think some other clubs are doing the same thing in Major League Baseball. Are we going to have the same hammer on those guys that we've had on the steroid era, guys? I, it'll be interesting to me, but I, to me... Fine, you didn't put them in their first couple of years that they were eligible. I think now it's time to put those guys in. They were the best of their era, and a lot of people were doing it at that point in time. And I think even the powers to be in baseball knew that it was going on and chose to kind of look the other way and take advantage of the McGuire and Bonds home run and Sosa home run races there in the mid-'90s when the game was really struggling. So, for me, it's uh, time to – to, to lift that veil and let those guys get in the Hall of Fame. There's my soapbox for tonight. You have some thoughts about that? Love to talk about it at 866 husker one 866-487-5371. When we come back, we'll chat with Jake Muehlheisen. He's getting set up and ready to call the game tonight with Kemp Pavelka. As the Huskers get set to take on the Badgers, we'll do that coming up next. Our abbreviated Sports highlight tonight, we're just the appetizer for the entree, which is Husker Hoops at the top of the hour as Nebraska is set to take on the Wisconsin Badgers. Jake Muehlheisen will be on the call with Kent Pavelka. Joins us now from the Kohl Center. What's it like up there? About 70 degrees, sunshine. You you take
2: your beach gear to this one, or what? what's it like? Yeah, Greg, I've been wearing uh, shorts and a tank top all weekend here. It's, it's been <laughs> awesome, let me tell you. No, it's uh, it's cold. There's mountains, of snow everywhere. It's, it's the same here. Maybe a little more snow than uh, than in Lincoln. Well,
0: that's life in the Big Ten this time of year, right. no doubt.
2: Um, let's go back to, to Saturday night, the Indiana game. What were your takeaways from that one? Yeah, I think, you know, we played well early on. I think we played really good the first 10 minutes of the, of the first half, and then that uh, the last 10 minutes in the first five of the second half, we really lost that game. We got down 19, uh, but we did some, things, did some things well early, and that was when we were playing hard and getting that tempo going and getting defensive rebounds, but then when Indiana really – focused on pounding the basketball inside in that uh, last 10 minutes of the first half. They really took advantage of our size and were patient on the offensive end. And then we weren't able to get defensive rebounds and push that in transition. But for the most part, I liked our effort. Uh, But we just were not able to make shots. We cut it to eight points there with about seven minutes to go in the ballgame. We couldn't make shots, and we turned the basketball over, which is uncharacteristic of us, but for the most part, I liked our effort, and I liked that we didn't give up when we were down 19. We just didn't uh, make the plays when we needed to.
0: What what does it say about this team, Jake? I mean, the the comeback the other night where they had a shot to get it, I think, to three inside the last minute and missed. The Northwestern game comes to mind where they were way out of it, I think down a dozen with three and a half to go, and yet, Burke looked like he got fouled on a, cha- a shot that might have tied the game late. I mean, that, that's there's a
2: little grittiness to this team that I kind of like. There really is, and and uh, just the the margin of error for this team is so razor thin. That's what you get, you know. Use of that Northwestern game, like you mentioned, that first half. I, I don't think we. Uh, played horrible but we were just a step slow on the defensive end and and were uh, slow to close out on some of their shooters and they built a big lead at halftime and then the second half we did a much better job of that but like you mentioned we just weren't able to knock down those shots uh, when we needed to most and I I think Deshaun Berg got fouled as well but just the margin of error for this team on both ends of the floor is so thin that we have to uh, be more consistent I think consistency's been our main issue in those games that we lose like that
0: Charlie Easley is quickly becoming a fan favorite. What what has he
2: done to get himself into the rotation in your eyes? I just just you know what you're going to get out of Charlie. He's uh, you know you come, he comes in the ball game. He plays extremely hard. He's always in the right spot. You know we do a lot of personnel defense when we're out there switching on some guys and then we're not switching on others. And he knows he's talking on the backside. I looked at the game against Indiana when forced those two steals when they actually went off the Indiana player. Those are the types of plays that he makes, and I think he'll get more comfortable on the offensive end. He's a really good shooter. You saw him knock down two, two threes in that Indiana ball game, but you just know what you're going to get, and I think that Coach Hoiberg likes the, the effort that he brings. I think he's a guy that shows up to practice early and works hard in practice, and he's getting uh, rewarded for that right now. Looks like the team has accepted him as a guy that should be getting minutes too. For sure, and you like you got to like that because – you know, sometimes you have a, a walk-on like that come in and get minutes, and sometimes the, the the his teammates don't trust him. But that's not the case with Charlie at all. I mean, everybody trusts him. You can see that on the floor. They trust him on the defensive end, and and they're out there on the offensive end. When he's open for a shot, they're, they're getting him the ball. Even in transition, they're passing up the court to him. So you you got to like the trust factor that they have in Charlie Easley.
0: Jake Muehlheisen with us. He's getting set to call the game with Ken Pavelka. Pre-game coverage at the top of the hours. Nebraska on the road tonight to take on the Wisconsin Badgers. Let's, let's talk about them a little bit. I, I feel like getting Micah Potter eligible really flipped
2: a switch for them. How big of a weapon has he become for them? He's a, he's a weapon for them. Transfer out of Ohio State, getting eligible that semester. Uh, he he can shoot the basketball. He's shooting forty-seven percent from three. He's just another big body too that can come in and spell Nate Reavers a little bit and give him give them another another uh, weapon uh, scoring and also on the defensive end, just some more size for some shot blocking and some defense as well. Uh, but you know, Wisconsin, it's they're they're the same team you've seen. Uh, for the last, you know, since we've been in the Big Ten. And, and I feel like there's there uh, their four juniors that are in their starting five have been there forever. Yeah, Nate Reavers and Brad Davison and, and Christ, or Trice and Aleem Ford. Those guys, they feel like they've been in this, done this program forever, uh, but they're only juniors. So you know what they're going to get. They're going to slow the game down. They run a really uh, methodical offense with that flex cut on the baseline. And they're going to try to slow this one down and, and keep the tempo where they want it. And that's what Nebraska needs to do is pick up the tempo and try to get it where we want it. Jake, the one name we won't hear tonight is Ethan Happ, and
0: to every, when he played, you knew they were going to at least give him a touch every possession. They don't really have a guy like that now, though, do they, that, that can just go punish you inside like Happ could?
2: No, they don't have that one that one stud that they're gonna go to on every possession like they did hat. But they got their five starters. They're all averaging uh, right at eight points a game at least. So you got you got five guys that are gonna be coming at you. So you you have to be aware of who you're guarding, where they're at on the floor, because every guy that's on the floor for Wisconsin can score the basketball, and they got. They have six guys that are shooting over 30% from three, so we're not going to be able to sit in the paint like we have been in the the Indiana game and just kind of make sure the shooters are are shooting from the perimeter. So it's just we got to be locked in because – Wisconsin's not going to beat themselves. They, they don't turn the basketball over. So we have to be locked in defensively and really talk on the backside, especially when they're doing those flex cuts. Yeah. Well, I was,
0: uh, we had Ken on last week before a game. I want to ask you the same thing about how crazy this league is. I mean, nobody can win on the road right now. It's, road wins have been, I think there's only been seven or eight so far. Uh, even Northwestern tonight at home up 10 in the first half on Maryland. What's the deal? Why, why has it been so hard for Big Ten teams to get road wins?
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Kent and I were talking uh, before coming on here. I think it's for, they're 42-7 and seven oh. at home or Big Ten teams. So it's just crazy how good this league is right now from top to bottom. And I think uh, in the end, I think there's probably 11 or 12 teams that are NC two A tournament caliber teams, but probably only 9 or 10 will get in. But any given night going on the road is just so tough to win, especially in a league like this. It's the most physical league in the country. And you see that night in and night out. And it's just it's just tough to get a road win, but we have an opportunity here tonight um, in Madison for this team to come out and play well. I just I just want to see Nebraska shoot the ball well for once. We haven't shot the ball uh, great yet in a game, and just have a consistent uh, all around game here tonight. All right, I
0: put Ken on the spot with this, and in typical KP fashion, he kind of declined to jump in on this. <laughs> okay,
2: who do you like in the league? Is it Michigan State's league to win in your eyes? I I think it is. It's. Michigan State, I mean, those Tom Izzo teams, they they always get better throughout the year. They, yeah. I, they, For whatever reason, they're just a slow starting team every year, but then, come February and March, they're clicking and I think they have the best point guard uh, in the league, maybe the country, and Cassius Winston, and, and guard play uh, wins games for you. and He's just he's as solid as it gets, and time is, obviously, his reputation. He's a great coach. I think it's Michigan State's league, but you look at, you look around, I mean, Rutgers is right up there with them, which is crazy to say. And uh, It's just a tough league, but I think it's Michigan State's to win. Sure is. Ben, last night was dropped a, a thing on Rutgers saying that
0: they were ranked for the first time, I think, <laughs> since 1979, but they're yeah, I legit. I read 41 I, you years. saw them up it, close.
2: Yeah, it's crazy, and they just announced that the, the Nebraska game on Saturday sold out at the rack and Piscataway. So that'll be a, a crazy atmosphere and the, in the hype they have, but yeah, 41 years, first time they've been ranked. And I think it's the first time that them and Seton hall has been ranked ever together. Wow. So just some crazy stats there for, for Rutgers basketball, but you know, Steve Peichel has it going. I think he's a really good coach and um, they just, they're big and physical. They just, uh, they're kind of a, uh, one of those teams that get down and dirty on the defensive end and, and just play extremely hard. So it's just, uh, it's a crazy league this year. You, you, you just have to be ready to play every single night. All right, what's the media meal tonight? What, what they have what's the spread? Well, you know, they have us up top here at the Cole center, so we're in we're in section two hundred. So to get down to the media room is a, a big uh big effort. So I don't know <laughs> if we're gonna be making that track. We might just go buy some concessions and maybe buy a hot dog or something.
0: Well now Ken needs his sweets. He needs a dessert party. That's what he that's
2: what he munches on after games. Yeah, he'll probably get a king size Kit Kat or some peanut Ms or something, so I'll make sure I'll make sure he's got good and sugared up here tonight. All right, very good. Have a great call. Thanks, Jay.
0: All right. Thanks, guys. Jake Muhlenhoffs and joins us from the Cole Center.